0: You know, I mean, I got the joke as soon as I was cast in this. I thought it was so funny. This was the last thing I expected to be doing. But the agent called up and said, you know, got a job, Meryl Streep, Mamma Mia, Greece. I said, I'm in. I'm there. I'm there. Was it that instant- I mean, the singing thing, did that fill you with fear at first? Oh, I was... I was well... Uh, not at first. No when I started rehearsing the songs. It was great. It was a lovely experience. I thought, I'm doing really good at this. This sounds pretty good. You know, it wasn't until about you know many months later that my wife and kids told me they were terrified. Oh, the dear. kids heard me singing on a Saturday morning. <laughs> and they said, Oh, what's Dad done? What's he doing? Oh, oh dear.
1: From Chicago, this is the Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, couldn't escape if she wanted to, is my lovely wife, Nikia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic.
2: I don't like ABBA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just want to get that on the record right let's
2: just, now? Just get, let's just get that out there.
1: Okay, so you've got a long day to look gonna forward be, to.
2: It's going to be rough for me.
1: On today's episode, Nikki and I are celebrating Mother's Day with a screening of a film that neither of us has ever seen before. Phyllida Lloyd's 2008 big screen adaptation of Mamma Mia.
2: I really don't want to do this.
1: <laughs> How does that make this different than any other week?
2: Because this isn't even a movie you're like excited about or a proponent for. It's just because it's Mother's.
1: That's what's exciting about it. It'll be new to both of us. We can experience it together. I don't want to experience this. But first, in honor of the holiday, we're going to talk about mothers. And Nikia, as a dubiously relevant historical <laughs> tangent, I realized going into this that I didn't actually know anything about the history of Mother's Day. So I did a little exhaustive research. Of course. Which is to say I glanced through a couple of articles and Wikipedia pages. Mm-hmm. And apparently Mother's Day in the United States was the idea of a West Virginia woman named Anna Jarvis who began campaigning for a national holiday in 1905 after her own mother died. In fact, Mother's Day is on the second Sunday of May because that's when Anna Jarvis buried her own mother. Carnations are associated with the day because carnations were her mother's favorite flower. So it's all about this woman.
2: So now I go back for shitting on carnations.
1: Wait, it gets better. <laughs> So her mother, the mother that Anna Jarvis was honoring, was named Ann Jarvis. She bore 13 children.
2: Too many.
1: (laughs) But... Only four lived to adulthood.
2: Because that's too fucking. Due to the many.
1: crappy health and sanitation and yeah. you know conditions of West Virginia in the eighteen hundreds. So Anne Jarvis became a social activist and reformer, advocating for improved sanitation and health conditions and raising money to help women in need. She created these what were called Mother's Day Work Clubs. There were, like, organizations of women that would help out communities and help improve conditions in communities and improve conditions for women. Okay. During the Civil War, these clubs established neutral aid stations, nursing soldiers on both sides of the conflict. In 1868, after the war ended, she organized a Mother's Friendship Day, an event to bring people from both sides of the war together to begin the healing process. So... She sounds like quite a woman, and her daughter thought that there should be a holiday in which every person could honor their own kick-ass mother.
2: But I feel like in everything that she did, our one takeaway from that was carnations, and not the (laughs) service part.
1: Now we get to the crux of the matter. (laughs) So, Anna Jarvis lobbied Congress for years to create a national holiday celebrating mothers, and finally got the holiday officially recognized in 1914. Okay. Okay. Now, what makes this, to me, a quintessentially American story, by 1920, Anna Jarvis, who had worked so hard to bring Mother's Day about, started dedicating her life to trying to have the holiday abolished (laughs) because it had already become too commercialized.
2: Yeah, that's how that works.
1: (laughs) She wanted it to be about, like, personal reflection and sentiment. She wanted you to, like, either go visit your mother or write your mother a nice letter by hand. Mm Mm-hmm. She said a maudlin insincere printed card or ready-made telegram means nothing except that you're too lazy to write to the woman who has done more for you than anyone else in the world. She began protesting Mother's Day. She threatened to sue flower companies that were selling carnations in relation to Mother's Day. She spent her later years circulating petitions to get Mother's Day rescinded as a national holiday, and she died deeply in debt and probably quite mad. In a mental asylum in 1948, she had no children.
2: That is a woman's story right there, man. (laughs) Damn.
1: So isn't it just the perfect American holiday? They probably
2: put carnations on her grave. Almost certainly
1: they did. (laughs) Something that's supposed to be about genuine sentiment and gratitude and... We instantly made it something commercial and cravenly awful to the extent that the person who thought it should be a holiday said, no, let's not do that anymore.
2: That's, wow. (laughs) It puts it in a whole new light now.
1: And now you know the rest of the story.
2: (laughs) I feel like the Hallmark mahogany card that I was planning to send my mom.
1: Is no longer good enough, right? It's just a thumb in the eye. Terrible. Okay, so everybody out there, I want you to think about that this Mother's Day.
2: But see, oh. everybody don't have Anna's mama. That's the thing. Like, that's what we need to be honest about first.
1: That's a fair point.
2: You know, you do Mother's Day the way that is appropriate, given the relationship you have with your mother, because that can be a rough day for some people. It really can.
1: So if your mother is more, say, you know, like the mother in precious based on the novel pushed by sapphire
2: you right no <laughs> she's baby doesn't no. even get carnations no, she doesn't get the trip to red lobster <laughs> she doesn't get any of that no Mm-mm. make sure the restraining order is still in place that's what you do
1: <laughs> okay well let's let's actually go there because i thought before we actually talked about mamma mia which i know you are anxious and impatient to get to i
2: really don't want to watch it
1: I thought first we would, you know, talk a little bit about moms in pop culture. Okay. So who are some of your favorite TV or movie moms? Who who would you like to have as a mother (laughs) if you were picking a mother from your pop culture options?
2: Well, I don't know if I would pick any of these mothers. My favorite moms in pop culture tend to be the more sort of fucked up interesting moms (laughs) or the moms that are like, I will kill you for my child.
1: Uh, Those are sort of fiercely, yes,
2: the lioness, if you will. So Carrie's mom is just one of my favorite moms ever. (laughs) I love Carrie's mom. She was so godly; it was wonderful.
1: Not in a good way. (laughs) Not in any kind of no. That was a (laughs) fucked up relationship.
2: She will protect her dirty pillows. (laughs) She, you know,
1: psychologically traumatized her child.
2: In that same vein.
1: To the extent that her child burned down the entire town <laughs> and stuck like 150 kitchen utensils into her mother. But
2: what we can say, though, is that Carrie may not her have become Carrie had she not had her mom. Exactly. But see, I think Carrie being Carrie is a great thing. I think that is wonderful.
1: Carrie might have become a superhero without her mom.
2: She could still become a superhero after she's, you know, dealt with her trauma by stabbing it and burning it.
1: She dies. Oh, that's right.
2: She does die, yeah. doesn't she? Mm-hmm. But she sort of comes back, though, right? <laughs> that's what we don't know. <laughs> Carrie is amazing.
1: Okay, I feel like we are off to just a bad start here. Joan with Crawford
2: in *Mommy Dearest*. Okay, so, another. Right.
1: So you went this way with stellar this. Stellar mother, uh-huh.
2: who is just all about cleanliness. She just wants <laughs> clean things. You know, she's just trying to teach you right from wrong.
1: Can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, how do you feel about wire hangers?
2: No wire hangers, ever except I do have a lot of (laughs) wire but then we can go the other way
1: oh thank god for that
2: (laughs) and I really love the way motherhood and the relationship between mothers and daughters is represented in joy luck club i love that movie. okay i love the way okay. that like, it sort of digs into the nuances and the difficulty both the beauty and the difficulty of the relationships between mother and daughter mm-hmm. and none of them are evil really they're just moms mm-hmm. um who else do i like carolyn played by alfre woodard in crooklyn is a great mom and okay. that's probably the most sort of...
1: Oh, I would just like to have Alfre Woodard for my mom. I mean, really? Like, that's a good choice just to There are just some
2: women you would just like, can you just be my mom? Mm -hmm. Michelle Obama's another one. like, can you Mm -hmm. just be my mom and, like, help me fix my life? Um, But yes, Carolyn is amazing in that film. Spoiler alert, she dies super sad. (laughs) it breaks my heart. But yeah, she's amazing in that. And her relationship with Troy is particularly special. And then the other category is sort of... Spooky slash magic mom, which is where we get okay bewitched
1: (laughs) Samantha and bewitched
2: Samantha or her mom. I would appreciate either of those because they're and her mom wears a
1: beautiful was it Eudora? Is that her name? Something Uh, like that.
2: Yes, Endora. Endora, who wore fabulous (laughs) catans.
1: You do like a good caftan. I
2: love a good caftan, and I really don't like. I feel like caftans are sort of one of those garments that you have to earn. Like mm-hmm. you can't just put on a caftan in your 20s. You have to be a
1: certain. You age, need to be a you broad. Have to have achieved you need to just. A certain amount yeah, of life. you need to have
2: earned mm-hmm. some stripes to be able to just rock a caftan all day.
1: It's like in Breakfast at Tiffany's when Audrey Hepburn says a woman shouldn't wear pearls exactly. before she's 40. There's you just know, like
2: a, it's just you just you have not earned that yet. Okay. You don't get the caftan privilege. So I am very much looking forward to my captain time. Uh, and then the other one is um, Morticia from The Anna Family. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful mother.
1: Okay. That's, those so are some interesting choices. those are probably my top voices. pop culture moms. It seems to me that you really want to have a fucked up childhood.
2: I mean, I had a fucked up childhood. Which, is, so, which I But I not in like that, an interesting cinematic way. Right. It that's just,
1: It's more interesting to right. have a fucked up childhood. Yeah. Like, spare me your, you know, your Donna Reeds and your all right, those Right, exactly. People, those boring. No, I would love some cookies. Moralistic but, you know, moms. otherwise, if
2: I could get Carrie's mom baking me cookies, mm-hmm. I'd be a happy child.
1: <laughs> I don't think she baked cookies. They'd probably
2: be in the shape of like the crucifix or something. Yeah. But I would love them. And I'd be like, oh, mom. You're so silly.
1: She'd say, you don't get any cookies because you're <laughs> bleeding from your dirty place.
2: Ooh, actually, you know who is the top mom Uh-oh. of all movie moms? Uh-huh. Mrs. Gump. <laughs> because she fucked that doctor so that her kid could get those braces on his legs. That is love. That, that is some is hardcore love. Is some mama love.
1: Self-sacrificing. that
2: doctor was not cute. From Mama Gump. And he was just...
0: yeah <laughs>
2: It was perfect. So good. (laughs) All for your legs. I love it.
1: All right. Well, I gave this some thought, too. I very briefly, and I will try one of these days to get through a podcast without mentioning the Lion in Winter, but we have to give a (laughs) shout out. To Catherine Hepburn. Another great mom. As Eleanor of Aquitaine. Yes. That is a mother who was, you know, willing to go to war. Yes. For her children and sometimes against her children. Absolutely. That is just a fierce bitch.
2: And the fact that she loved any of those three bastards, like they were just, <laughs> none of them were
1: stellar. Uh, here's one that I can only assume you simply forgot on your list because oh, I was no. expecting it to be there. Penelope Cruz in Volver. Volvere,
2: she's a good mom. Yeah. I will kill my husband. Fuck with my who daughter. Molested I'm you. I'm gonna kill
1: you. Yes. Stuffed, didn't she stuff him in like a she refrigerator? She stuffed him in a freezer
2: and then buried his <laughs> yeah. ass with her friend.
1: That is some good mothering. That
2: was some great mothering. <laughs> and I, I think for a while, like, didn't tell her daughter that she had done it so that her daughter wouldn't be super traumatized, and then she told her. But yeah, that she's a good mom in that movie. A yeah. Moldavar does good moms in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All about my mother yeah. is a, that's another obvious candidate. Um I think Frances McDormand and Almost Famous is a great mom.
2: Sure. That liberal white hippie mom sort yeah. of thing, yeah.
1: And she seems like she's like super controlling and super But she's
2: actually cool about but stuff.
1: She, I mean she lets her teenage yeah. son go off with a rock band yeah. in the 70s. Like that's a good mom.
2: She just doesn't want you to take drugs. That's all. Don't do
1: drugs. Don't take don't drugs. Take drugs. <laughs> Your mom kind of freaked me out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she does that.
1: (laughs) And then as I was thinking about this, I realized there's a very specific kind of parenting that I like. Okay. And maybe this says a little bit about my own childhood. I like moms who let their kids be weird.
2: Yes, I agree.
1: So there were two very specific small instances of that I thought of, one of which you will know and the other one you won't know. The first is Melinda Dillon as the mother, I don't think she has a name, in A Christmas Story. Yes, yes. And my favorite moment in, of her mothering is when Randy is under the sink crying mm-hmm. and she opens it up and she's like, do you want to come out? And he's like, no, do you want a glass of milk? She brings him a glass of milk and then she's like, are you going to stay in there for a little while? And he's like, yeah. And she just shuts the door and leaves him under the sink. Like, that's it. You don't need to just leave him alone. She encourages his Let weird him do...
2: food thing. Like yeah, he eats exactly. Eat like a pig. Like yeah. A pig. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. That's true. And then my other favorite movie, Mom, and this is a movie that's on our list. We'll watch it one of these days. You haven't seen it. Is uh, Glenn Close as Jenny Fields in the World According to Garb?
2: Okay.
1: Uh, she is a strange woman. She is this <laughs> simultaneously this feminist icon and this totally asexual, weirdly emotionless <laughs> woman. It's a weird character, but I like how she parents. And there's a moment right at the beginning of the film where it's a young Garp. He's about six or eight years old. And she says to him, are you going to bed or are you going to sit up and think your weird thoughts? And he says, I'm going to sit up and think weird thoughts for a while. And she says, very well, good night. And leaves him alone and leaves him sitting there. That's the kind of mom that I think every kid should have.
2: I think that is a good mom. <laughs> I definitely do. I think everybody would be happier if they were just allowed to be a little bit weird when they were kids. <laughs> and not forced to be normal.
1: And then TV moms, I think uh, Mrs. Coach on Friday Night Lights, obviously, is a great mom. This is a show that you and I love. Probably a lot of people don't know. Paula Small on home movies.
2: <laughs> another one who allows her exactly, kids to be weird. Another one,
1: Brendan is just making all weirdness. these movies and she encourages <laughs> it. <laughs> And then I think we got to give a shout out to Diana Rigg as the Queen of Thorns on Game of Thrones.
2: She is particularly great.
1: Yes. I mean, she, she is...
2: probably had the best dying line ever, which is like, tell that bitch Cersei that <laughs> tell I did her. it.
1: Yeah, I want her to know it was me.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: again, someone willing to murder exactly. the king to protect her daughter from a shitty man. And then, like,
2: I did that shit. <laughs> Too bad. I think the greatest TV mom for me was Aunt Viv from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air.
1: The first Aunt Viv or the second Aunt Viv?
2: Did you know which Aunt Viv. <laughs> the only Aunt Viv we recognize is Aunt Viv number one. Dark-skinned, beautiful, professional, brilliant, take-no-shit Aunt Viv. That is who we love. There was no other Aunt Viv.
1: I prefer the later end. No, you
2: don't. And if you do, we have to get a divorce because that says a lot about your character.
1: I actually have no opinion on this. I just know that you have a really strong opinion on this.
2: Everybody has a strong opinion on this. Everybody who's ever seen the show has a strong opinion on this.
1: Okay. Well, as they say, let's get off mamas now.
2: Is that what they say? Because <laughs> you know, I just got off your There you <laughs> go.
1: give you a straight line and you don't even take it
2: because that's not your community that's not your line
0: (laughs) it's not for you
1: i recognize that
0: (laughs) from the bible to the popular song there's one theme that we find right along of all ideals they hail as good the most sublime is motherhood There was a man, though who it seems, Once carried this ideal to extremes. He loved his mother and she loved him, And yet his story is rather grim. There once lived a man named Oedipus Rex, You may have heard about his odd complex. His name appears in Freud's index, Cause he loved his mother. His rivals used to say quite a bit that, as a monarch, he was most unfit, but still in all they had to admit that he loved his mother. Yes, he loved his mother like no other. His daughter was his sister, and his son was his brother. One thing on which you can depend is, he sure knew who a boy's best friend is. When he found what he had done, he tore his eyes out one by one, a tragic end to a loyal son who loved his mother. So be sweet and kind to mother, now and then have a chat. Buy her candy or some flowers or a brand new hat. But maybe you had better let it go at that. Or you may find yourself with a quite complex, complex end. You may end up like Oedipus. I'd rather marry a duck-billed platypus than end up like old Oedipus Rex. Thanks.
1: Okay, so let's talk about... Mamma Mia.
2: I don't want to talk about Mamma Mia. (laughs) And shouldn't you be like shouting it? Is it Mamma Mia? Mamma Mia.
1: So... I, I had a hard time picking a movie this week. I, I thought about doing a horror movie because, first of all, we haven't done a horror movie yet sure. for the podcast. Um, and there are a surprising number of horror movies that work <laughs> for Mother's Day. You Moms already You already mentioned Carrie. Mm-hmm. That would be a great Mother's Day movie. But you've already seen it. And you've already seen Psycho. You've already seen Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. You've already seen The Exorcist. Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> Hand That Rocks the Cradle, The Duck. These are all great Mother's Day horror movies, and yet you've seen Can I add one to them? that that we sure. maybe,
2: the, I've seen, but just for the listeners out there? Uh-huh. Um, what's that movie? Slither? Yes. Because the alien thing impregnates the random like. Oh, chick, she becomes like like as big like, as a house. Right, and she bursts like, all the slither worms. Another good one. Good Mother's Day movie.
1: Another good Mother's Day movie. <laughs> Um, we came dangerously close to doing David Cronenberg's The Brood, which we will watch, I think, one of these days, probably for our Halloween marathon. Mm -hmm. But it's a little obscure and it's a little hard to find, so I didn't want to do it this week. So I decided we would horrify you in a different way.
2: Musicals will do it. (laughs) I'd rather watch that lady burst full of worms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I kept looking at, you know... Internet listicles are a podcaster's best friend, so I kept looking, you know, what's a good Mother's Day movie? And Mamma Mia was on all of these lists, and at first I ignored it because I hadn't seen it and had no desire to, and then I thought, you know what? We should experience Mamma Mia together. This is a worldwide phenomenon. Let's, Let's talk about that. Okay. The stage show opened in 1999 at the West End Theatre in London, and then it played in London for the next 13 years. It opened on Broadway in 2001 and played for 14 years. 5,773 performances, one of the longest-running and most successful shows in Broadway history. Mamma Mia! has played in more than 50 countries translated into 22 languages. It's kind of just like they say, you know, you are never more than six feet away from a rat. I think you are never more than an hour away from a performance of Mamma Mia!
2: That's not a good thing.
1: According to Wikipedia, there are at least seven performances of Mamma Mia being performed around the globe on any given day. Oh my god. And I think that's a conservative estimate, because I did some I did some looking around on this. If you go online right now, you can buy tickets to see Mamma Mia in Columbia, Maryland, Philadelphia, PA, St. Paul, Minnesota, Fort Worth, Texas, Sacramento, California, and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma.
2: Those are all terrible places.
1: Internationally, tickets are currently available for productions in the UK, Canada, Australia, Austria, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Finland, Slovakia, Romania, the Czech Republic, and Singapore. And my search was far from comprehensive, so I'm sure there are more. Mamma Mia is playing in dinner theaters and on cruise ships. It's playing right now at the Drury Lane Theater, a few miles from us here in Chicago. <laughs> if you would like us to go see that, I would not. According to Wikipedia, again, over sixty million people have seen Mamma Mia on stage.
2: That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. I really don't.
1: And it's so popular, they made a movie. Mm-hmm.
2: The one movie, Meryl didn't win shit for. <laughs>
1: let's talk about the movie okay 150 million domestic box office $600 worldwide. Just to put that in perspective, in 2008, Mamma Mia made more money worldwide than WALL-E, Iron Man, and Twilight.
2: Well, fuck Twilight, but (laughs) WALL-E! Really? People?
1: In the UK, and this is a British film, it has a strong British following, Mamma Mia is the sixth highest earning movie of all time and the fastest selling DVD in British history.
2: That's insane.
1: It earned more money in the UK than all but one of the Harry Potter movies.
2: So we hate them for this and colonialism. (laughs) Got it.
1: You are going into this. With the right spirit. With hate in your heart.
2: Not hate.
1: You need to open your heart.
2: No. My heart is closed.
1: To what I assume is a touching story. Nope. Full of laughs and tears. Nope. Full of classic Swedish music. Are they <laughs> Swedish? Is that what i is? Swedish? Uh, I don't know. There's something.
2: That's a good question. Are they Swedish or German? Sweden. Okay,
1: there we go. Classic Swedish pop rock.
2: It's a lot of umlauts. I've seen a lot of umlauts. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, No.
1: So, I guess we can have the what do we actually know about this movie thing.
2: So, I know the basic plot. Okay. Because they talk about it in an episode of 30 Rock.
1: Okay. Fondly?
2: Yes. Tina Fey is very excited because that she's able to sort of reenact Mamma Mia in a real world situation. So, my understanding is that it's a My Three Dads thing where there are three men who could be the father of some woman. I don't know who the characters are. <laughs> <laughs> Of some woman, and so she, they get invited under some sort of false pretense mm-hmm. in an effort to figure out who the dad is. Who the
1: dad is. Okay, that's about all I know about it, So too. it
2: is basically a, um... I
1: do not know which of those three men is the dad, so Maury
2: I'm... Maury Povich I'm excited to find that out. set to Emma, <laughs> You are not the father. Waterloo! <laughs>
1: <laughs> How can that possibly be a bad thing? Because
2: it's bad. Because <laughs> it's just bad.
1: So, I'm trying to go into this with an open mind. I like musicals, though I generally do not like jukebox musicals, which mm-hmm. is what this is. And one of the things that happened when this movie came out is that it was apparently panned by all the male critics. Okay. And women got very defensive about it.
2: What was it that the men were well, criticizing? They, they
1: thought it was awful. They, apparently they just thought the movie was bad. Okay. But it is a all-female production. Director, writer... Producers, mm-hmm. um, and it is celebrated as a movie made by and for women and about women. That
2: doesn't make it good. Equality means you can do shitty shit too.
1: There was an article in the Guardian in 2008 in which they asked prominent feminists why they love Mamma Mia. <laughs> uh, Julie Bindel, who's a writer and feminist activist, she's the co-founder of Justice for Women, an organization that advocates on behalf of women who have killed abusive men. So this is I'm a. All about that hardcore feminist, she said I loved Mamma Mia because it made me feel happy for the first time ever. I'm usually a miserable bastard, but I was smiling for 12 hours, which is the longest I've ever smiled.
2: Something is wrong with her life. That's not, that's, no. No.
1: Jeanette Winterson, who is a writer I love, you do love Jeanette. was interviewed. She said, I love it because it's a film that celebrates women and women of a certain age. It's very unusual to see a film where the men come out looking completely ridiculous. Not in a nasty way, but they come out looking like trumps, while the women are gorgeous and wonderful. There are so many films where the women are sidelined and marginalized. Just to turn that around is in itself a political act.
2: See, I feel like it can be all those things and still be a shitty movie. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm
1: trying to get you to go into this with an open mind. I'm
2: not going to. In a
1: spirit of celebration
2: mm-hmm. of
1: feminine power mm-hmm. and Swedish music.
2: Nope. <laughs> not going to happen.
1: So what are you expecting from this movie?
2: I'm expecting to hate it. So the only other time I've really encountered ABBA music is in uh, the film Mirror's um, Wedding. Wedding. Didn't like it there. Love Tony Klett. It was, used to, it was used
1: to excellent purpose in that film. It was used to
2: excellent purpose in that film. I like the movie. I do not like ABBA. <laughs>
1: I don't really have any feelings about ABBA one way or the other. I think maybe my older sister had some Alba, ABBA records. Mm-hmm. They were a little before my time as far as pop culture goes. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't really. It's dangerously close to being disco, so I just <laughs> avoid all of that. I probably do not know that many ABBA songs. I might recognize a couple of them. Yeah, no. You probably know them all and will be singing along with the lyrics.
2: I will not be singing along with any of the lyrics. And the few people that I know are in this film are not known for their voices, so I'm not looking forward to hearing them sing.
1: Meryl has a lovely voice. Does she? She does, actually, I think. I, I don't think. know
2: that I've ever heard Meryl sing.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure... Oh, she was in... Uh, I didn't see it. Into the Woods a couple years ago, which is okay, a musical. that looked terrible. <laughs> but apparently she sang very well. <laughs>
2: Wasn't Johnny Depp like a wolf? The big bad wolf in it?
1: Uh, that's entirely possible, yes. That looked horrible. <laughs> In fact, there's a state, there's a film stage version of that with Bernadette Peters. We should probably put that on the list. Maybe you and I will watch that. Why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we do that?
2: Because it's terrible. Why would we do that?
1: Because Into the Woods is not terrible. Okay. Not, you know, any more terrible than all the other musicals you hate.
2: Right, but so you keep making me watch them, though. <laughs> And my mind has not changed. Because eventually
1: you're going to like one.
2: No. Yes. I've named the like one or two musicals that I enjoy and it's basically because the music is actual music that you want to listen to.
1: Mm-hmm. Like Mamma Mia.
2: No. Like The Wiz.
1: <laughs> to Dave, the one example.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if I don't want to actually listen to the music outside of the film, then I, don't, I just I don't understand the point.
1: I think you're going to come away from today with a newfound love of ABBA. I think I you're going to do be a- so. downloading the entire
2: I will not be doing complete
1: that. discography no. of ABBA.
2: You know anybody else? Fleetwood Mac, I'm on board. Let's do it. Any- anybody else? Just I can't get down with ABBA.
1: I wasn't 100% confident in my ability to say the word discography and I'm sort of proud of myself for getting through it right there.
2: There's a low bar.
1: Well, I I take what I can get these days as far as self-affirmation.
2: Well, apparently this is going to make you feel the best you've ever felt in your entire life. (laughs) So you got that to look forward to, which is nice.
1: Okay. Okay. Let's go watch Mamma Mia. Put your dancing shoes on.
2: That's not going to happen.
1: You are the dancing queen. Nope. Young and something.
2: Okay, so maybe learn the words first. (laughs)
0: Every girl has a dream.
2: I want the perfect wedding, and I want my father to give me away. Look at my baby, your whole life ahead of you.
1: Every family.
2: I read mom's diary.
0: Has a secret.
1: And I have three possible fathers. Oh. My. God. Just one
0: Every wedding.
1: Which one did you invite? One more.
0: Has a few surprises. whoa. whoa. We always knew how to make an entrance.
1: Mia, I
2: again. how can I There were three guys
0: around the same time. <laughs> you shady lady. The last time I saw your mother, she said she never wanted to see me again. Yes, i So who is your dad? Why, why? I don't know. It's very Greek. This July. Somebody up there has got it in for me. I bet it's my mother. Take a trip down the aisle.
1: Is your father here?
2: she you tell me?
0: You'll never forget. Sophie! I am. Uh... Your father. What? <laughs> Typical. You wait 20 years for a dad and then three come along at once. Universal Pictures presents...
1: It's coming to my wedding, and I have to tell two of them are surplus, only which two.
2: Are you getting any? mean... <laughs> You slept with hundreds of men. Watch
0: that scene. I haven't
2: slept with hundreds of men. Dig
0: in the dancing
1: queen! Mama Mia!
0: You sound like having fun already. Oh, we are. I used to have fun. Oh, we know.
1: <laughs> okay. During the break, Nikki and I watched Mama Mia. We finished watching the movie about 20 minutes ago, so according to that woman we quoted earlier, Nakia should still have 11 hours and 40 minutes of smiling left to do.
2: Am I smiling?
1: Is it possible you just haven't started your 12-hour smile yet?
2: I don't think that that's what's happening, no.
1: <laughs> is it going to happen? It is
2: not going to happen. There will be no 12-hour smile.
1: Were there any smiles at all?
2: No no there were not so uh, how
1: how are you feeling?
2: like I wasted two hours of my life we're in Chicago, it's nice outside I could have spent some time outside
1: instead you got to go to the Greek Isles well
2: actually I didn't
1: and see some dancing and some singing and some farcical shenanigans
2: mm-hmm.
1: and hear the unforgettable music of Swedish pop sensation, ABBA
2: this is me glaring at you now
1: yes I know, I'm familiar with the glare I have seen it many many times over the past you know decade plus of my life (laughs) i saw it many many times during the film yes you did basically whenever the music began to swell and some we it became clear that someone was about to sing a song Mm -hmm. you whipped your head around and glared at me yes i did through most of the song
2: which was most of the movie yeah
1: so okay so you admit that there's a very real way in which you have not even actually seen this movie because you were glaring at at me during it instead of watching the movie, so I think probably we need to watch Mamma Mia again.
2: I've seen all the Mamma Mia I'm (laughs) going to see.
1: Do you have anything to say about it? So here's the thing. (laughs) Speaking of the past 12 years of my life, (laughs) no conversation that began that way has ever been a happy one.
2: I feel like it's a weird movie to even sit down to critique because it is obviously created with a certain audience in mind, (laughs) and I am not... That
1: audience. So I You could th- be that audience. No,
2: I really couldn't. If you would
1: just embrace it, you no, could be that audience. No,
2: I do not have it in my soul to enjoy <laughs> that film.
1: Okay, stop there. You just basically wrote the opening paragraph of Roger Ebert's review. Okay. He talks about the thing. He says, there are wall-to-wall songs by Abbott. If you like that sort of thing, I don't. Not much. <laughs> But here's the fact of the matter, this movie wasn't made for me. It was made for the people who will love it, of which there may be a multitude.
2: 60 million, apparently.
1: The stage musical has sold 30 million tickets, and I feel like the grouch at the party. So let me make that clear and proceed with my minority opinion.
2: Exactly. That, that movie was not made for me. <laughs> I knew that going in, obviously, I, it was never going to resonate with me. I'm not a fan of ABBA. I'm not a fan of musicals. I don't like ridiculously contrived plots that are all hinging on somebody choosing to have not have one conversation. Like, literally <laughs> one conversation.
1: So, please describe for our listeners in case they have not and do not wish to see Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. please, please describe for us the plot. Which I think is very sort of Shakespearean. Nope. I think there's kind of a Shakespearean comedy. Nope classical structure to this story
2: so i mean it's basically what i said at the beginning which is it was a maury Povich episode (laughs) set to abba music except without the science because there was no dna test done to actually find out who the father was uh yes so apparently meryl streep's character was young and wild and throwing that thing around as one does
1: are you slut shaming?
2: I'm not slut. I celebrate. Throw it around, girl. Okay. Do your All thing. Right. Um, and she slept with three dudes within the span of like six weeks or something, and came up pregnant. Um, and raised her daughter and basically told her daughter that her father was some one night stand that she never heard from again. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to know him. Blah blah blah. And now they live in this quaintly dilapidated hotel on a Greek island together in a codependent relationship akin to the Gilmore Girls. And so the girl, I guess all her life has been pining for a father, which overrated, and (laughs) decides, she finds her mom's diary, finds where her mom talks about her freak Nick Summer, and she writes three letters to the three men that her mom got it on with and invites them to her impending nuptials. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And they all show up, weirdly. Um, apparently because Meryl put that They not
1: only show up, they like raced to their, the airport, which to me and then raced to the dock to catch the boat meant
2: that she had magic between her legs because they were very excited to see her again and they obviously remembered it 20 years later
1: Okay, that, your explanation there becomes a problem at the end of the movie It does. But let's, let's it stick does, a pin in that which, for now
2: Which is one of the many problems <laughs> with character in this movie
1: In fact, okay, let's, let's pause here for a second Okay. And I'm, now I'm gonna be the nitpicky grouchy guy, and I I realize bringing any semblance of logic to this right, film no, yeah. is a waste of energy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it anyway because okay. that's the guy I am. Sure. So there is a a sequel slash prequel to this movie coming out. Mm-hmm. I think this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, that is supposed to be the flashback to Her Meryl Freak Street, Nick Summer. Her Freak Nick Summer okay. with these three dudes exactly. I am curious to see when that movie takes place. Because the timeline... It's all over the place. ...is all over the place here. One
2: dude was punk. She's like...
1: She's supposed to be like a flower power yeah, girl.
2: flower child, 60s thing. Right.
1: The other... Colin Firth was like punk. punk British like punk. Like 70s yeah. era, seemingly. Um, I don't even remember what the other guy was. He was...
2: Pierce was just there.
1: Pierce was just, Okay, whatever. But the girl, Amanda Seyfried, in this film is 20 years old. Yes. 20 years back from any point... <laughs> That this movie could conceivably take place. They talk about the internet in this movie. Yes, they did. Okay, so let's cut that off. Let's say 2000 is the earliest this okay. movie could take place. That means her Freak Nick summer, as you're discussing it, her summer of slut, was 1980. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> That doesn't work for the flower power thing. That doesn't work for the punk thing. That doesn't work at all. Maybe they just
2: held on to those ideas for longer than other people did.
1: Unless I misunderstood, Pierce Brosnan said that he, like, designed this hotel. Yes, like, he drew it on the back, back of a nap- napkin. Yeah. And then Merrill Street built it. The fucking hotel is 20 years old. <laughs> it looks like it's 150 years old. It looks like it's dilapidated, run down, like it's an old Greek building that has been crumbling over mm-hmm. the ages. It's 20 years old.
2: Yes. Well, she had to build it by herself, so. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be.
1: The only way any of this makes sense is if Amanda Seafried is actually 45 years old.
2: <laughs> but Abba.
1: And just looks good for her age and her mother's been lying to her about how old she is. I don't know what the hell's going on with this. Okay, I'm done with that. Carry on. I Are think you? so. I think so. <sighs> yes, please continue.
2: And well, I mean that's a good point, right? Because the ABBA, Abba was what the seventies, uh,
1: it? Yeah, early seventies actually was. So then, then day if we're
2: day. yeah, if we're in the eighties during the Love Fest and everything, mm-hmm. what is the connection to why is Abba everybody's favorite group <laughs> in this film that they know all the songs to all? I don't know all the know. songs.
1: And the stage play came out in ninety nine, so even twenty years again, it was yeah. still two thousand. We're still looking at nineteen eighty. Okay, so
2: let's just say what we don't have. Is math or science in the form of a DNA test?
1: Okay, okay. right.
2: So where was I? Okay, so uh, the,
1: getting married. The three right, dads. The
2: three. My three dads come to no, the nobody's island. Nobody's telling
1: anybody anything. Nobody's that, telling that's anybody so anything. So completely obvious
2: because that would just make too much sense.
1: Because <laughs> the story would, the very minimal story that there is in this film would be dealt with in about forty-five seconds,
2: which would be so much better. Um, <laughs> but we don't do that. Um, who else? And then, uh, Meryl's friends from childhood, Christine Baranski and Julie... Julie Walters. Julie Walters show up very loudly. Yeah. And they commence, you know, reliving their raunchy childhood. (laughs) And then just a bunch of fucking singing and (laughs) making sure that one person doesn't talk to this other person. And then...
1: There's all this. There's all this stuff that is set up, like it's going to be a complicated plot. Because first, like Amanda, see her name is Sophia or Sophie. Let's call her Sophie. It's easier. So Sophie's going to hide these three men, right, in the goat house, right, and not tell Meryl Street until the wedding that they're there until the wedding. Right. It's like okay, so we've got these kind of shenanigans going on. These sort of you know everybody's hiding out, secrets going on. 30 seconds later, Meryl Streep walks in and discovers the men are there. It's like, oh, okay, I guess that wasn't a plot thing. So why did we do that in the first place?
2: Well, because then we spend the rest of the movie with Amanda Seyfried and Meryl not telling each other that they know what's going on or why the men are here or having a conversation about anything.
1: Which, again, Meryl... They both know right. who, what these three men have in common, right. which is that they all fucked Meryl Streep right. in this mystery year twenty years ago,
2: yes.
1: right before she got pregnant. Right. Meryl acts like she has no idea <laughs> why these men might be at her daughter's wedding. She acts like it's a, like a random, like they just met each other on a train they're and just, decided to just come came to Greece. Back to her. Like she acts like she has no idea, yes. and not even to her daughter. Like just in general, she acts like yeah. that. I don't understand.
2: There's nothing to understand in this movie. Okay. <laughs> that's that's where you're messing up you 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 keep looking for a through line and there really isn't one. The only through line is ABBA do you, do
1: you need more than more of a through line than i that? would
2: i would like, but <laughs> apparently you know I just
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Carry on with your plot synopsis.
2: It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I mean, the end of the story is all of this is for Amanda's Siegfried's wedding. Yeah, and she ends up not getting married. Yeah, because she realizes it doesn't matter, even though she went through all of this. It Basically,
1: it seems like she staged the entire wedding just to, to find get out the three dads, who yeah. her dad was. Right, yeah. and yeah. then decide she doesn't need to know. No, she's who, just going to go one travel. her dad?
2: And they decide to just be a third dad. <laughs> We're just going to, I'll be a third of the dad, and I'll be a third of the dad, and I'll be a third of the Uh dad, and we'll just do that. Problem with that is, somebody could have MS, somebody could have depression, cancer could run up in somebody's shit. Like, it's really sort of important to nail that kind of shit down. Just go take the DNA test and figure out who your papa is. They came all this way. I don't understand. This. Somebody like,
1: might need a kidney, right?
2: Like this whole shared father thing, or maybe not. <laughs> maybe you just find out who your dad is, and the rest of them could just be uncles or whatever. But like, let's not let's not do this. And then Pierce Brosnan realizes that he has been in love with Meryl Streep's character for twenty years, and so he decides, why waste a wedding? And he and Meryl get married. And you think the movie is over, and it is not.
1: We've still got nine songs to go through
2: Because all of a sudden Colin Firth's character is gay And
1: all <laughs> Which, of a sudden That came out of nowhere Julie
2: Waters is in love with uh, What the fuck is it? Stella Stellan Skarsgård
1: Stars- Stellan <laughs> <laughs> Who was weird casting for Super a Super weird like, Frothy musical I think the last time I
2: saw him Was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo <laughs> And I have to say I prefer him as a murderous psychopath Than whatever the hell was going on in this movie it was so random and weird.
1: You know, he does Lars von Trier movies, and, and he should Malamia. just
2: right. No, it's a it's a weird. That makes me think you're a weird person because those two identities shouldn't exist the same body. I just,
1: just want to know who it was that said we need a, we need a good song and dance man who's available. Skarsgård. Skarsgård.
2: Maybe it's a Swedish connection. I don't know. I really don't know. I want to know who said let's give Pierce Brosnan <laughs> ten fucking <laughs> solos. Oh my God!
1: That was another interesting casting choice. I mean, Pierce is fine. The acting fine. The but he he did get the lion's share of the singing, which was a problem.
2: He sounded terrible, <laughs> like a dying goat. <laughs> The whole time, just like shoot it, shoot it. Just it's that sort of feeling of secondhand embarrassment for someone where you're just like, Oh God, oh no, sweetie, you were James Bond.
1: And he gets the big love songs,
2: he does, and he is not equipped for them like at all. I just that was some painful shit for me. It really, really was seeing Julie Waters get up on a stage and sing what the fuck was her song.
1: Uh, she did Take a Chance on Me. Take a Chance
2: on Me. This, like, Thirsty Woman song (laughs) where she's, like, chasing down (laughs) Stellan Skarsgård. I just... I felt embarrassed for her. And then earlier we
1: had Christine Baranski do uh, Does Your Mother Know? Yes. singing to the young bartender that... Which...
2: I'm just, like... And here's the thing, if everybody Uh was there and it was like, you know what, we get to go to this Greek island and you're going to pay me millions of dollars to be in this movie and I just get to have a good time and sing Apple songs Mm -hmm. and they were really loving it, good on you.
0: Uh
2: That's an awesome scam. (laughs) But it was not enjoyable to watch.
1: Okay, let me stop you there because you just wrote the last line (laughs) of Ken Turan's review in the LA Times. (laughs) See, I, I've always known you could be a film critic, and you're, you prove it every week. Kenneth Turan said, A sage once advised being wary of movies in which the people on screen are having more fun than the people in the audience. <laughs> Mamma Mia, was that good advice?
2: They looked like they were having a bomb-ass time. And they
1: are all admirably gay yes. for whatever is going on. Well, like, that's the
2: thing. For that type of movie, you have to commit. and Because if, yeah. if you don't commit, it's worse. Yes. But Jesus.
1: (laughs) They are without shame, without dignity, without self-consciousness. They all go for it.
2: I can't. And then, I mean, one of the, or at least maybe both of the sort of reviews that you read earlier from Jeanette Winterson and then the Mm. the feminist activists about how this was like sort of a political statement in a film. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't get that. At all. i didn't get
1: that i mean yes they are older women being sexual right they're being and,
2: raunchy and making you know sex jokes and stuff and that's not well not well and also like i just so what? She ends up marrying Pierce Brosnan anyway. Right, so the it's second not, he proposes, right.
1: and she even has a song earlier in the About, film. I
2: want a rich man to take exactly, care of me. So exactly. i was just kind of confused. This is not a feminist. The only moment that I sort here. of saw that was um, another song. Meryl and her two friends lead like a woman parade <laughs> while they're seeing Dancing Queen <laughs> through the town, uh-huh. and so you see women you know, dropping their work and joining the parade. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to take off my apron from cooking dinner for my husband and I'm going to join the woman parade and then everybody jumps into this, like, sea or whatever and, like, some feminist baptism or something. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just, like, <laughs> this is what we think a political statement is.
1: Uh, yeah, apparently.
2: And I agree that there aren't a lot of... There's not a lot of representation of women of a certain age who are sexually active and and vital in that sort of way. Right. I just this wasn't it
1: no and meryl you have the clout to get better ones made than yes this.
2: so i was expecting some big you know rah rah feminist movie and it's just like okay that's. yeah
1: so here's the thing i went back and looked at that article it began briefly and i i realized that none of those people though there's some some great writers and some great activists and mm-hmm. none of them are actually film critics of any kind because this was not a good film.
2: No, but it resonated with them as women, which I just found interesting because it did not, for me, I, I, it wasn't, I did not have any moment where I was like, oh, yes, women, like, yeah, we are, you know, I, it just wasn't. And maybe that was because I couldn't see through, you know, Colin Farrell's, or Colin Farrell, Colin Firth's <laughs> guitar solo. <laughs> uh, but just, which, don't ever do that again. I, I cannot, I can't. And it was, I just, it was just so poorly written and crazy. The plot didn't really matter no, or make sense. No. The characters just sort of went wherever. So Colin Firth is one of her former bows. Yeah. He comes back on the island. Regular dude. And this is
1: what we were talking about earlier. He he right. races to her. Races
2: to her. Yeah, just
1: like the other two guys do.
2: And then at the end of the movie, oh, I'm gay. <laughs> I just fell in love with this guy on the island.
1: That we've never seen before. That we've never seen before. That we've never heard speak.
2: There's been no, you know, dialogue about, oh, I've been... Like, I think there's some statement that he has two dogs. And are we just supposed to assume that, oh, he has two dogs? He's a grown-ass man with two dogs. Well, there's
1: there's the earlier scene. There's a scene on the boat between him and and Stellan Skarsgård where... It's barely coded, so it's like we're supposed to think they're talking about the daughter. Right. Because Stella Skarsgård says something like, Did you just realize that you might be?
2: Ah, uh, I see. Okay. And they leave that sentence I guess unfinished. I'm on that and
1: that was. Okay. What I thought that was setting up was a misunderstanding where it's like, oh, Stellan Skarsgård thinks Colin Firth is gay and comedic.
2: See, I yeah, okay, I thought they were talking going about to come
1: from that her being their daughter, and then it a... turned out at the end of the movie that no, Colin Firth was gay. It's just ridiculous. Which he stands up and announces in the middle of the wedding for no reason.
2: And then he's like the freest gay person ever. But
1: yes, it's very liberating to him what he's been doing for the past fifty like, years. What the I don't fuck, know, dude. but suddenly he's yes.
2: You're dancing with your shirt off in the rain <laughs> with this dude. <laughs> (laughs) There was no hint of any of that in your character And again, the Julie Waters thing came out of nowhere All of a sudden she's in love with Skarsgård There was no build up to that really
1: Yeah, and I don't know I mean, the stage show is like two and a half, three hours long I don't know if they cut some of the plot It doesn't seem to me there was enough plot That they would have needed to cut anything out But But it was so fucking
2: long (laughs) You just cut one of Brosnan's fucking solos And put in some explanatory dialogue Help me out. Explain to me how we got here. <laughs> Can't
1: do it. So, I was expect. I mean, this is basically the movie I was expecting, mm-hmm. but I was expecting it to be better.
2: I don't know how you thought this was going to be better.
1: I, I assumed you would hate it no matter what. Yes. But I was expecting a better version of something that you would hate.
2: You were expecting a better version of a film based on an ABBA musical.
1: Uh, yes.
2: Is that a thing? Like, does that doesn't... I don't... I don't think that's a thing.
1: This could have been better. And I, I mentioned earlier, this is an all-female production. The director is a woman, Philippa Lloyd. That's great. She's awful. Yeah, the directing was... The directing was so bad. And that... Like, a musical on screen hinges on the director. Right. Like, there are ways to do that that makes it seem natural, that right. makes the musical numbers seem and natural. Seamless, yeah. This was just a rack. Yeah. Like, shot for shot, one of the worst directed movies <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. And the moments, like, I don't know if they worked on stage, but the moments when it went from this, like, slapstick farce into what was supposed to be a real emotional moment... Right. Did not work at all. Yeah. It was just a tonal train wreck.
2: Well, a part it's of the,
1: really bad.
2: Like I've seen a lot of these actors act better. Yeah, it, it, it was
1: just. And Meryl looked like she just like, not gave up. I don't know what. I the think word she was just is. having
2: a good time.
1: Right. She like she just decided yeah. that it's like what the fuck. Yeah. This thing's probably going to be awful, but I'm going to have fun yeah. doing it. Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, So I didn't, it just didn't hit any of the sort of qualifications for a good film. I knew going in that I didn't like ABBA, and I didn't like musicals. Mm-hmm. Fine. But to then also say the plot is not actually a plot, and then the actors aren't really acting, they're just sort of waiting for the next song. And in between that, it's really sort of weird... Wooden acting Mm -hmm. that I don't expect from any of these people, really. And dialogue
1: that no one on earth has ever spoken. So it's just
2: kind of, and I realize that musicals are sort of this hyper reality anyway. So
1: yeah, but don't call this. I mean, that's the thing. And I remembered about three minutes into this movie how much I fucking hate jukebox musicals. (laughs) I don't think they work. And here's a movie that. I know millions of people love. I would set it on fire. I hate it as much as you hate any of the movies we've ever watched. Mulan Rouge. Yeah,
2: that was a rough one.
1: I hate that movie and I hate it in part because of this jukebox musical thing. Mm-hmm. Like you take these pop songs and either they don't really fit the situation right. that the characters are in or you contrive some bullshit thing to make the characters into a situation mm-hmm. that the song fits. It's so phony and it's so forced. Yes. I fucking hate it. Yeah. Like, they would start... In this movie, they would just start singing these songs, and it's like, well, that sort of fits this situation. Right, but not really. It doesn't really. Yeah. And that makes the moments when they shoot for some kind of authenticity... Just ridiculous. Right. That scene. Uh, what's the song? What's the serious one that they that she has with Pierce towards the end oh, of the movie? Um, Winner takes it all. Yeah. That that they play that like it's supposed to be a big serious emotional right. powerful scene. They play it like fucking Anne Hathaway doing "I Had a Dream" <laughs> from *Liz*. <Les Mis. laughs> You know, it almost has that sort of <laughs> operatic intensity, that emotional intensity. And she's
2: doing a lot of scarf choreography during it.
1: Yes, yeah, she is. she's twirling Jesus. that scarf all over the place, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's just, I mean, even if you forget what a terrible, terrible singer Pierce Brosnan <laughs> is, like the song doesn't fit the situation. It doesn't. What they're singing to each other doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit in this movie that is so slapsticky and cartoony. Right. 5 minutes before and 5 minutes after. I don't understand it.
2: I yeah. I I was not a fan <laughs> of any of it. I really just wasn't a fan. I was just embarrassed for everyone.
1: So I was expecting something better.
2: You were wrong. I was right as usual.
1: Uh yeah.
2: I'd like to ask do mothers usually paint their daughters' toenails? Is that a thing that moms do?
1: I've never been either, so I don't know, but that was a weird scene. That was a weird scene. That little mother bo- mother-daughter bonding scene was weird. And it seemed like weeks worth of stuff yeah. that they were doing in the span of one song. It's like, oh, let's you know, let me paint your toes, sit in my lap and I'll paint your toenails and then I let's cut, read a put book yourself. together. I'm going to put a band-aid on you. you that know... girl
2: is 20 years old. She put her own damn <laughs> band-aid on. So this it is a really weird sort of codependent relationship. I, yeah, but Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just bitter because my mom didn't sing to me and paint my toenails on my wedding day.
1: It's not too late. We can we can call her up and ask oh her god, if that. Oh god, that would be my if nightmare. She's still willing to no, that.
2: no. That's not who we are as people. Nope.
1: <laughs> I'll paint your toenails.
2: I don't want anybody to paint my damn toenails. I no. No, thank While you. While
1: singing ABBA songs to you?
2: Absolutely not. No.
1: Uh, I don't know what else to talk about there's, with this movie. There's
2: nothing to talk Because there's no there there. There's nothing. You either love ABBA or you don't. That's really all it comes I down to. I don't even
1: feel like that would do it. <laughs> like that's, it that's what 70% of the reviews I read said. Which is that if you're really into ABBA you'll love this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would. I mean I'm not really into ABBA. But I feel like if I were really into ABBA this still would not seem like a good movie to me. I
2: think it would. Because cause... nobody
1: was singing ABBA well. Oh
2: well no. Well, but, okay. But here's the thing, and okay. so we have talked about this across a number of films.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's something that you can relate to because you also cannot sing. You too can join. Is that a
1: general you, or are you talking directly to me? When the editorial you. Say you? U. Okay. <laughs> Because it's true I can't sing, but I feel like it was was hurtful of you to look at me and say, you can't sing.
2: No, no, no. I put myself in that as well. Okay. In my head, I'm Mariah Carey on a good day. Okay. In real life, I'm Mariah Carey at that New Year's Eve performance (laughs) where the backing track was not playing and she was just sort of standing up there with a mic making weird noises. So... I am absolutely in that boat. But so maybe it is that the point isn't for them to be expert singers. So the point
1: is that they sing, badly right?
2: It's like a karaoke and then you can to it thing, and, then you, and you can sing along nah, and nah, not nah. feel bad about your. Mediocrity. I believe there are
1: there are sing along screenings. Of oh, this I'm sure. Too, which I'm we, sure we can go to if you want to. Oh, do absolutely that. not. No. Um, no. Or you can look forward to that when you're in hell. Probably, I think that would be something that they would set up for you in hell.
2: I mean, it may not be mom. It would be you know. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Sound of music. It might be some, just because it's longer. Okay. Some combination of. If they would do Gone with the Wind as a musical, that would be my hell. <laughs> that would probably be my what hell. What a great
1: idea. It's a terrible idea. What a great idea. I'm that actually is. surprised it hasn't I'm happened. I'm going to start writing that.
2: <laughs> I don't know nothing about Birthing No Babies. <laughs> <laughs> terrible.
1: And I'm going to score it to, I don't know, you know. Backman Turner Overdrive or something. <laughs> I don't know.
2: No, if you want a hit, you got to do croachy. <laughs> you got to go Crochy. <sighs> uh,
1: that sounds like a really good, really good Broadway musical. Gone with the Wind, set to the sounds of the 70s. Yes. I'm going to start working on that.
2: I think that's an excellent use of your time. <laughs>
1: Ah, see, I went into this movie with an open mind. I really did. I, did I not. expected it to be dumb and silly, but I thought it would be fun, dumb. No. And entertainingly silly. No. And sort of charming in its goofiness. No. And it just wasn't. It, it was not. just sort of flat and, like you said, kind of embarrassing.
2: Yeah, it really was.
1: Um, I saw someone, and I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember what review this was in I read, but somebody said it was like watching your mom get drunk. That's what watching Meryl Streep was like.
2: Very much so. Yes, Mm -hmm. and I like a good raunchy, you know. But I think I like my Meryl Streep mean. I don't know that I like her.
1: You prefer the Devil Devil Wears Prada. Prada. I like a Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her kind of Meryl Streep. Okay.
2: And even with Death Becomes Her, though, they're in the beginning when they're showing her as you know an actress she's doing the sort of campy actress Mm -hmm. thing and and she's perfect with it. Um, But that's sort of the point of that. Yeah,
1: she can do comedy. That's not the problem. She's
2: very funny. But this was just, man, I really do think it was free trip to the Greek Isles (laughs) and we'll pay you $20 million dollars to do this.
1: But the movie was a big hit.
2: And you get to make dick jokes with Because usually when
1: you hear people say that, then the movie turns out to be to bomb. And people say, well, what the hell, we got a free trip to right. the Greek islands out of it. This movie turned out to be a hit, and they're making a new one.
2: Well, obviously, I mean, again, going back to those two uh, reviews that you read, obviously it resonated with women, specifically. And I think the built-in ABBA fan base.
1: I mean, I do think we need to acknowledge that there are th- and maybe, I don't know if you are willing to acknowledge this okay there is stuff in musicals that works on stage that does not work on film sure.
2: yeah yeah
1: um so mm-hmm. i am willing to concede that the stage musical might actually be fun mm-hmm. might be a good time and that this was just yet another example of when you take that and you put it on screen i mean the history of making movies of broadway musicals is not right replete with success stories right Most of them are awful. It's really hard to do that. Mm -hmm. And this was a good example of why it's probably a bad idea. So, it is possible. I mean, I own the DVD of Camelot, the movie Camelot, which is awful. (laughs) The movie is awful. I love the Broadway show Camelot. The movie is terrible. Mm -hmm. But I own it because it's the only version of Camelot that exists to own on DVD. Right. So I can see that, you know, the reason this was the fastest selling DVD in the world. Not because it's a great movie but because people who loved the musical wanted to own that in And experience form. it,
2: right. I mean, that could be true. We, you and I went to see that Motown musical when uh-huh. it was here in Chicago and that's another one of those sort of jukebox yeah. musicals. And I actually had a fun time. Like, it was a fun Yeah, it was
1: entertaining. Show. A little long.
2: It was a little long. <laughs> um... <laughs> but I think part of my enjoyment was my connection with the music so right. I like the Motown music so I enjoyed that show and I was happy to just be singing along with you know Diana Ross or you know Stevie Wonder. Um, now can I picture that translating the screen? I don't think it would work like mm-hmm. because again it's a very weak plot There's, yeah. <laughs> it's just a sort of get me to the next song right. sort of plot and so I think either you're, if you love the music then you'll probably enjoy it. If you don't it's just gonna fall flat and be terrible so
1: i'm disappointed because i was i was willing to believe that male critics had just not gotten it right and that this was a fun empowering Mm -hmm. film for women made for women and you know to to entertain it on those merits right and i i I think it was just bad i think the critics were right it's just kind of a bad movie
2: absolutely terrible (laughs) it was absolutely terrible
1: well let's we 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 started and I have trouble remembering now and remembering why these were supposed to be part of the same conversation. We started today talking about mothers and mothers on film. Mm-hmm. And I one of the reasons I picked this film was because it's on all of those internet listicles about right. great films about mothers. Mm-hmm. Was it?
2: I mean again like they obviously had Our understanding was supposed to be that they had a good relationship, but what we saw was terrible communication (laughs) between (laughs) two people. Um, Yeah, so I mean...
1: And it wasn't really even that much about the mother-daughter relationship. They were a couple of scenes together.
2: No, yeah, no. I mean, again, I think there were points where they were maybe trying to get at that. Um, There was the storyline of, you know...
1: (laughs) They can't see air quotes. Right. You know? Sorry,
2: <laughs> air quote storyline. Um, <laughs> Amanda Seyfried deciding to stay on the island and be with her mom instead of going to see the world, right? And the whole sort of conflict there. So I think that there was supposed to be all of this meat to the relationship. Yeah, that, that was some
1: weak ass shit. Though.
2: It was some weak ass shit. We didn't really get to see any of that. And like you said, they didn't spend a ton of screen time together. Mm-hmm. But I think we were supposed to assume that she had been, she was a single mother and she raised this really amazing, apparently, woman who was now making her own choices and that sort of thing. So, I mean, she painted her toenails. And so <laughs> I guess that makes you a good mom. I don't know. She put a band aid on her boo boo. What more could you want? A mother who lies to you for 20 years about your father.
1: Well, did she... I guess she did lie. She did lie. I don't... Yeah.
2: She could have just said, I slept with three dudes.
1: I have no idea who your father is.
2: Let's get a DNA test. (laughs) Really that simple. I wouldn't have needed one, because I look exactly like my dad. So, he would have got off the boat and was like, is that asshole right there? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I think that there are... I think there are movies that I think would be more empowering of that sort of cohort like First Wives Club, I think mm-hmm. is that sort of women doing it for themselves. That's a cute so, movie. It's a cute movie and I and
1: set that to music. Right. They have probably done that too. They probably have. It's probably a Broadway show.
2: <laughs> but it is all about women reclaiming their lives and mm-hmm. saying fuck you to the men and, you know, doing the thing and yeah. I I, I would not call this any sort of political statement on feminism.
1: No, absolutely not. All right, can we say anything positive about it? The cast was game.
2: Everybody was very into it.
1: And it's hard to fault any of those people, actually. Yeah, no, they're they're all...
2: They fully committed.
1: You know, everybody is good. Yeah, Christine well, Bransky and Julie Walters are both terrific. I mean, good. Well, not in this movie, I just mean in oh. general.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nobody looked good in this movie. It was not possible to do that.
2: No. Yes. Everybody came with great pedigree. Yes.
1: They all just checked their dignity at the door, yeah. and
2: and that's. I mean, and, and that went for it. Okay. Have a good time.
1: It, if they had put their faith in a better director, I think that might have been more justified.
2: And script writer.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I mean the script, the screenwriter is the writer of the The Broadway show. Musical, yeah, so I guess, yeah. um, Which has achieved some success, so I guess. Very true. Probably she wasn't going to rewrite it for the screen. It is what it is. Did you like any of the the musical numbers?
2: No, I don't like ABBA. (laughs) It's not really my genre.
1: Was any part of this fun?
2: You know what, so as the credits were rolling and the cast came out in the the super spandex ABBA. disco outfits disco outfits right and sang a couple ABBA hits that was actually fun because it was just it was as if you had gone to a karaoke bar with these actors yeah. and they were up there just that's, having
1: that's apparently how the Broadway show ends after the story ends mm-hmm. the cast comes out and says goodnight and then they just do a couple of those songs See, that's, yeah. in the silly outfits I
2: mean that's just that's fun and again Colin Firth is getting <laughs> his fucking life he's in this spangle spandex outfit and he is shaking it okay like
1: you think this was very freeing for? Colin, I think don't Colin
2: you? found a little something after playing through Mr. this Darcy role. And yes, all these exactly. Other roles. And the like yeah. the stuttering uh, king. What was? his <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, the king's speech.
2: Like, he, he plays these, you know,
1: very buttoned down, very roles. buttoned up
2: dour characters. Uh-huh. You put him in some rainbow spandex and put some ABBA on.
1: <laughs> Shut up. Again, probably a really fun movie to make. Right. Not necessarily fun to watch.
2: Unless you love ABBA. Which I think is if you more or less ABBA.
1: exactly how I feel about soccer, but I guess that's a side note. Oh my lord. The
2: whole world loves <laughs> soccer, and you are the only person that does
1: Fun to play, <laughs> not fun to watch. That's
2: how I feel about baseball. It's boring <laughs> as shit. And you're just watching these dudes yeah. sort of trundle to base.
1: Baseball's boring while you're playing it, too. so that's, Is it? So well, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have nothing else to say about this film. (laughs) Because
2: there's nothing I
1: really don't know what to do with this conversation. (sighs) This is why we don't watch movies that I haven't seen.
2: Twilight all over again. It's not as bad as Twilight. It's pretty close to Twilight.
1: It was at least less of an investment of your time. That's the only difference. Than the failed Twilight experience. That was horrifying.
2: Eight hours and you got nothing out of it. It
1: wasn't eight. Uh, It was. was Yes, it was. It was pretty close to eight hours. Yes, it was. We watched like three of those those shitty ass
2: movies. movies. I kept
1: thinking they would get better. I kept thinking. And I came
2: away with nothing to say. I had absolutely nothing to say (laughs) other than I hate you. This is terrible.
1: I'm trying to, did we ever do any, the other, the only other movie we ever did that neither of us had seen before, I think, was The Help. Oh, God. And I think that one I was pretty confident you would have things to say oh, about yeah, it, Oh, no, yeah, there's did, plenty to talk so. about
2: with that, yeah.
1: That was on the blog. Sure. So that one went okay, but yeah. Yeah, this was not one of our finer moments, I don't no, think.
2: No, no. I don't think we served moms very well with this. Outing.
1: No, we probably, you know, yeah, you know, we could have done fucking Terms of Endearment or something. I don't know. <laughs> I thought this would be more fun. Yeah. No. We got nothing. We got nothing this (laughs) week. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, moms. Next year on Mother's Day, we will try to do better by you.
2: Well, I I think the moral of the story is that we shouldn't be celebrating Mother's Day, right? If we want to honor the legacy of the person who started Mother's Day, don't celebrate Mother's
1: Day. I could go for that. I I would sign that petition. Yeah. In conclusion.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Gump is the best movie mom. (laughs) (laughs) fuck everybody else
1: that's our show we want to thank you for listening Nakia, earlier in the episode I mentioned that we hadn't yet watched a horror movie on the podcast, and next week we're going to make up for that with a Creature Double Feature. We'll be sitting down for Nakia's first viewing of two identically named but surprisingly different films, George Romero's 1978 classic Dawn of the Dead and Zack Snyder's 2004 remake.
2: Aren't zombies over?
1: Zombies are never over.
2: I think kind of, it's a saturated market, isn't it? Sort of done. You now?
1: The beauty of zombies is that they never die. They just keep shambling along. And isn't this just the perfect palate cleanser for Mamma Mia?
2: I mean, the perfect palate cleanser would be not doing any of this ever (laughs) again.
1: Wouldn't Mamma Mia have been better with zombies?
2: I mean, I think it probably would have improved Pierce Brosnan's voice. But... Okay,
1: if folks at home are watching along with The Unenthusiastic Critic, the 2004 version is easily available for streaming rental or on demand, and it's currently playing on Cinemax. The 1978 version is woefully and mysteriously out of print, and tragically missing from all streaming sites. But... I don't think I'm violating any copyright laws if I tell you that... the last time I looked, (laughs) several versions were available on YouTube. So, do as you will. So join us next week for the zombie apocalypse. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, send an email to michael at unaffiliatedcritic.com, or tweet us at free range critic. In any of these places, we encourage you to leave a comment on the show or suggest a movie that Nakia desperately needs to see. Until next time, remember, true love means subjecting your partner to movies they really, really don't want to watch. Did you like any of the the musical numbers?
2: No, I don't like ABBA. It's not really my genre.
1: (laughs) So if this had been a Prince musical?
2: Well, we have Prince musicals. Do we? I mean, his movies are basically musicals, really. Purple Rain in particular is just like an extended music video. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
2: And it's fantastic.
1: No, it isn't.
2: It really is. No,
1: it isn't. This just proves the point that if you already love the music, you're willing to forgive anything in the movie.
2: No, it's a brilliant film on its own.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Okay? I'm not going to have this argument
1: with you because we're going to get in
2: a real fight about it and I don't want to do that. He's a genius.
1: Okay.
2: It's like domestic violence. There's all kinds of shit and that movie. It's so good.
1: I'm sorry, you just mentioned domestic violence as a selling point?
2: Well, no I mean, like there's a plot is what I'm saying. There's a story there. It's not just songs. Come song. for the
1: songs. <laughs> stay for the abused women.
2: He also humps the stage. It's really nice. Yeah, okay. It's good.
1: Surprised you can reach the stage.
2: Okay, bitch. We're not gonna do this. <laughs> we're not doing it. You're not gonna make short jokes about Prince, okay? Because that's all you got. That's all you can talk about is his height.
1: No, there are many other no, things there, I could talk no, about, but no, you know, it's off topic no, at the moment. No. So yeah,
2: he's like four foot five and can still steal <laughs> your bitch. That's what it is. Wearing a better outfit than her, okay? Like, don't no no. We're not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Nope.